What's up, guys? You are listening to the Modern Day Cyber Podcast, and you got Phil Vallejo here, one of your hosts, and this is episode 89. And in this episode, Kaylin and I sit down and we talk about various topics related to shooting and mindfulness. We talk about why it's important to have balance in your life to truly be present and mindful when you are connecting to the rifle. And some of the things, especially if you are a competitive shooter, why it's important to have a mental or a strong mind. And we also talk about what we've been up to the last couple of weeks since the previous podcast. We shot some big guns the last uh, week that we were training a military client, 338 Lapua. is the first time that Kaylin and I had consistently shot uh, 338 Lapua. So we share our thoughts on that and kind of the nuances that we found with shooting big guns. We talk a little bit about the NRL Hunter match that Ryan and I just shot together as a team and some of the training areas that we need to work on individually and as a team. And at the very end of the podcast, we talk about some of our upcoming events, such as our in-person classes and what is going on in the modern day rifleman network. Thanks for listening, guys. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. What'd you do today? Um, let's see. What did I do today? Um, started off... Uh, hit some emails trying to catch up on some of my admin duties that I've been delinquent in. And, um, uh, I want to get that stuff like all taken care of so that way we can focus this week on developing more systems that, uh, you're, it's, it's absolutely right. We, the, the systems, it's crazy what happens when you start growing and you start realizing you're like, Oh, okay. Like we said, like you don't, you don't know if that other person has it. And so now as that, you know, as that shit grows, it's like you have to, you have to manage it. And so I want to make sure that all my admin stuff is taken care of this week. So that way I can focus on that. And, um, so I chatted with Ryan for about 45 minutes this morning, um, on one of his layovers or his layover chatted with him about the curriculum for this coming week. And, um, I just started to kind of get my gear squared away because I want to start doing some, um, like I'm having the hankering to get back in front of the camera and start doing shit um, more. I just want to start, I want to start talking about what's going on in the modern day rifleman network and do it from a position of complete candidness, which I've, we've never done that before. You know, the only time people hear about it is like from a podcast where it's like, Hey, like put it up on YouTube and let people know what is actually happening in that community. Right. And what we're doing with it and the change that people are experiencing. And so I'm, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling pretty fucking inspired, man. Yeah, dude, you should. That's a badass shop you got back there. I was, I, I, I'm, yeah, when I, you know, when you, when you go down to the, the office per se and you see how everything is like clean and tidy it kind of right. inspires you to, or like, like the unlocks a creative part of, you know, yourself yeah. and stuff like that. Yep. Especially with the life that we've built for ourselves, like it's based around a lot of obviously the content that we create that has attracted people to um, come join us in the Modern Day Rifleman Network or um, come. Uh, train with us in person classes, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah. So, 
I think, dude, you have the, the perfect setup now to, to, to go and do that for sure. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to doing some smaller pieces to just continue to experiment with lighting and camera angles and things and see how it all shakes out because, um, like, dude, we got some pretty badass and ambitious projects ahead of us. And, um, I, I mean, I'm super excited for it because uh, it, it, this stuff comes and goes, right? It just comes and goes. And, um, I don't think, I mean, we've had this conversation before, but you know, in terms of the passion and the drive, um, I don't think that that's ever lost. I think you just end up getting distracted along the way, you know, other things pop up that, that require a different type of attention. And so a lot of people, I think, think that we're constantly shooting and we're not like we're, we're not constantly shooting. There's so many other things that need to get done that don't involve shooting. And so I'm happy to be back in a place where I'm, uh, I wanted to focus a lot on balance this year. I wanted to focus on, um, I wanted to focus on balance. I wanted to focus on overall wellness for myself and, um, that balance piece has been, has been, um, pr pretty high up on the list. And so I think it's, it's starting to show with regard to, um, not feeling as overwhelmed all the time, uh, and not kind of feeling behind the power curve. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm getting to a, to a point where it's like, okay, I'm feeling balanced, right? I can go shoot a match and have fun. Um, it's not a fucking stress event. And, um, I'm feeling more inspired to create content. Yeah, that's, that's important, right? Like we, we talk about it a lot, having balance. Um, I think a big part of who we are obviously is, is taking care of our family. Um, someone had said that, uh, recently is you and I are very family oriented, which is true. I think, uh, as originally single fathers before our significant others, Cass and, and Claire, um, you know, we could easily have been selfish with regard to chasing our careers. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we did it as snipers in the Marine Corps. Um, but now, you know, with having our offspring, uh, you know, we, we talk about how when we have a week of class, in theory, we're, we're out of pocket for three weeks, right? Yep. The week prior, week of execution, and the week, week, week when we get back, uh, mm -hmm. trying to make up that kind of lost time with our family kind of uh feeling of like of, of guiltiness for leaving in, in a sense but yeah i i would say that that is a big thing of what i'm trying to focus on this year is balance um shot my first match this uh this past weekend i'm sure which we'll get into but you know i wanted to try to shoot one one a quarter that was kind of the agreement that i had with uh, my girlfriend um, and, you know, and, and especially with spring and it's always into sports and, and whatnot. Um, but, uh, it was good to go back. It was good to get back. It honestly filled up, uh, a bucket for me as Cass calls it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. and being able to go back out there, um, see the shooters, see how much the sport has, has grown. Um, it's been awesome. And, uh, but not only that but by achieving balance and, and Hey, like everything I, I know is good at home and everything is, you know, good on the forefront in terms of work. Like I can be present when I'm 
actually shooting and not worrying about feeling guilty or feeling like, you know, we're not going to get paid the next Monday or whatever the case is, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Yeah. That's a good feeling to have. Um, and this is the stuff that, um, this is the stuff that we talk about in, in the Rifleman Network, which I never really kind of anticipated going this direction or route, uh, maybe not even a route, but like a tributary, if you will, of our, of our career path, you know? Um, but I think it just comes along with, as we grow, I don't want to say like the cliche, like, oh, as you get older. No, I think it's just, you, as you grow, you get, you're more aware of things. And as you're more aware of things, you're like, huh, okay. Well, that's exactly why that is. If we actually think about it for a second and go, oh yeah, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why I do that. There's a reason why I go chase things or go chase matches and, um, or go chase the things and, uh, that I want to do. Um, and it's really easy to get sucked into that. And, um, it's, uh, it's important to bring it to light. So that way you can go, yeah, I know I do that. And, and I'm, and at this point in time in my life, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And my family's okay with that. So yeah, you go ahead and you chase that. Or on the other hand, you're not, and you have no understanding of what it is that you're doing and you're doing it anyways. And there's tremendous damage that's being created as a result of it. So, um, it's like the per, per proverbial house of cards that it's going to come crashing down eventually. Right. So, um, the things that we talk about in there with that, uh, especially on this year, you know, we had the headspace hubs, which is badass. And this year we kind of, you know, tech taking a different turn on it. I still think it's super, super relevant because essentially I think what we did was we kind of, we almost flip-flopped, if you will, the importance of, you remember we did tech talks and then we also did uh, headspace hubs. And I think this year we put a little bit more emphasis on the headspace hub stuff over the tech talk. And we kind of looped the tech talk stuff into the guided training sessions and the Q and a sessions. So, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. Um, because you know, like you and you and I have had these talks before in the sense of like, okay, what makes that, what makes that monstrous shooter? What makes that person? And it doesn't even have to be shooting. It, it, this is just straight up sports in general, or, you know, shit, it could be something as simple as, you know, anything you choose to put effort into like to be at that upper echelon, you know, that upper third percent or upper top percent, it's all a mental game. And those are the things that deserve a tremendous amount of attention. In, in my opinion, now that I guess I've grown and, and come to understand certain things, especially about myself. But, um, you know, if the skills are there, obviously they can, they, they constantly need to be honed um, and kept sharp because you know as well as I do that like that shit can fall away pretty fast, especially if you don't have a really solid baseline. Like I think for you and I to take a month off of shooting, um, it, it, it would not be nearly as detrimental to somebody that, that shoots a few hundred rounds a year, right? They, uh, somebody who shoots a few hundred rounds a year, if they take a month off of shooting or even practicing dry firing, whatever it is, that can be very, very difficult to make up. Um, 
versus, you know, we've already got a, a really hardwired established base to, to kind of crutch on when it comes to that. But um, the mental stuff I think is really important because the more solid you feel, um, the more solidly you show up, everything just gets easier. You're able to develop, you're able to just sink in and experience the experience for what it is, which should be having fun. Um, and, uh, and that's really where it should be. You know, obviously I, you know, some people can get super like dialed in and focused. And I think that that's definitely a different level that you do need to be able to tap into. But by and large, I feel like I perform my best when I'm having fun. And, and I'm, and I'm able to just be myself. So. I, I agree. I, I think there's different levels of, I, I think there's different, different levels of awareness of where your capability is and your, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of mental, uh, approach to competition, you know, uh, and going back to your like your purpose and your why, you know, of this is almost like a mindfulness or uh, mindfulness behind the rifle part three, right? We've done a couple of those early in our episodes of of, yeah. uh, of our podcast series, and you know, I know that not that I struggle with like my purpose behind a rifle, but I know that I'm always because I'm so forward thinking at the moment um, in terms of like where I want modern day cyber to go, where I see myself in, you know, five, six, seven years in terms of what my goals are uh, behind a precision rifle and, and, and competitively, I think, you know, I still try to stay true to like my foundation and root of like, you know, I do this to inspire other snipers to get out of their comfort zone, you know, because it just makes them better. Um, mm-hmm. granted now the, our cyber community, but regardless of what kind of sniper you are, right. It's all, it's all relative. You know, uh, I know what it, what's like to think that you're at the top of the food chain and you're being told like, dude, you're the best thing since sliced bread behind a gun. You go out to a civilian competition and you get beat up by an equestrian, <laughs> right? Right. You get beat up by a gardener and I mean, it, it hurts, you know, um, with all that being said, uh, you know, this, this week being able to, uh, see the other shooters and, and, and be, uh, not even shooters, but a lot of our riflemen, a lot of our modern day riflemen, all of our community members that are ROing or that take the time to be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm part of the modern day rifleman network or I have a few of your master classes, appreciate the content. I'm going through it right now. And it's, and it's good stuff, you know, guys that pick up stuff off the table, and, um, like, I know that, like, that's where kind of our purpose has like pushed to, right. Is, is inspiring riflemen to not only become better versions of, of riflemen, but become better versions of themselves through the modern day rifleman journey and network. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everyone has different goals, right? Like everyone has different aspirations of when they connect to the rifle, like what, you know, whether it's like, oh, I want to be able to, you know, shoot to a thousand yards or shoot to a mile, right? Consistently, you know, and, and I think at the very beginning of my journey, I had that like, oh, I wanted to win a match or, um, I wanted to place top 10. Well, once you start chipping away at that or reaching those, like, 
just like anything else, your, your goals start to shift. Or even if maybe you don't even achieve those things, like as you get closer, your, your, your goals start to now shift because of your level of awareness, as you talked about, right. Mm -hmm. And your level of proficiency, you know? So when I know that I stopped, like, you know, when I won a match, it was like, okay, well, not only do I want to win more matches, but I want to be consistently at the top and, and stuff like that. And now as a hunter, like I go to the, I go to matches to uh, see what my limitations are, not necessarily extend my range on how effectively I can shoot a four-legged critter. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, whereas like I talked to some hunters, you know, was like, I wanted to, you know, uh, this past weekend, they're like, I just wanted to see, you know, what I could like, what is ethical uh, for me as a shooter, you know, um, and I'm like, okay, well, is that, does that mean extending your range? And they're like, uh, I think so. And I'm like, okay, well, and I, and I tell them, you know, I was like, well, every August and September, we have our rifle hunter courses. We call it, we bounce back and forth between technical rifle hunter and long range hunter. Either way, the way you look at it, we look at it is, is, um, when guys come to class, we tell them like, Hey, you're here. I'm, I'm here to not teach you how to shoot an elk at a thousand yards. I'm here to teach you and show you what your limitations are, right? So mm -hmm. that when you go out to the field and you're by yourself, like you know what your expectations are and your limitations of being able to put that bullet exactly where you want it. Yep, under under a wide variety of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool because like, well, you said that your experience in Utah, you said that it was obvious that the community had grown from the standpoint of how many people were were at the event. So that's, that's badass. That's awesome to hear. Um, I forget how many shooters, I forget how many shooters we had. Um, it was a PRS regional qualifier, uh, that I shot in, um, here in Yakima last, uh, this past weekend. So it had a fair amount of shooters. I think there was probably like 50 something shooters in there. Um, so I don't, that match this time of year usually gets about I don't know forty or fifty competitors, um, just because sometimes it can be really it can be really hot and shitty out there. So uh, it's good to see everything growing. It's good to see um, a different emphasis, I guess, be placed. And and PRS is growing too. PRS is continuing to grow, um, and and the NRL Hunter stuff. It's it's really good to see that start uh, continue to expand not start to continue because it really is a ton of fun. It's a blast. So how did you guys, um, what, what was different about this year's course fire there than the year that you and I shot it? Oh God. Um, it was funny. I was just trying to look up scores right now, or I wasn't looking up scores, but I was looking up, um, how many shooters were, cause I just want to give the idea of how much it's grown. So we shot this, you and I shot this, we didn't shoot it together cause they didn't have team matches back yep. then um and um i want to say we had close to 60s or 70 to 80 shooters in 2021 when we shot this mm -hmm. uh, but it's in price utah that was the first time that i've been at that venue and um super cool town and uh, I remember when we shot that and Verl knows this that Verl uh, dallin is a match director uh, he put on kind of a slightly difficult match with regards to target acquisition. And mm. I remember 
uh, people had a hard time because it was quiet, right? You didn't hear right. any shots go off because targets were just super hard to find. Right. Lateral limits were a little too wide and there wasn't really good uh, target reference points within the area because everything looked the same. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what, for the most part, a lot of people, even myself, uh, struggled with a couple stages is, is finding the targets. Right. Uh, yep. Last year we didn't go. I didn't shoot any any NRL um, hunter last year for 2021. But for this year, I mean, it was complete opposite. Targets were easily identifiable. Um, the targets were in a reasonable distance. Target sizes were also reasonable uh, for, I would say, like the mid-pack shooters. And yep. then um, the positions, I would say, were the ones that was tricky. And I, I think Verl did a really fantastic job with this one, especially when you look at like the, the core foundation of like, of like growing the sport, you know? And this is mm -hmm. one of the things like I failed as a master director in terms of like wanting to challenge the, the, the top shooters. And I mean, you can't do that, right? You can't yeah. do that because now you discourage the newer shooters, right? Because if, right. if uh, the top shooters are only shooting 70%, I mean, the mid pack to bottom shooters are shooting 50 and 40 and, and no one wants to go shoot and miss or not even see anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not even come close. Yeah. yeah that's tough, dude. That um, is tough. So, uh, there were, there were a cool, uh, a couple separator stages, right. Cause you know, at that point, because of, of the target sizes, the distances that we were shooting, um, and you know, the ease of finding targets, I would say that, um, it, it, it was more of a mental match for those top level guys, you know, making sure that their game was on point and there are no mental errors, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't have yep. a mental error and still be at the top, right? Because uh, John Pinch and Matt Alwine, who, squat, who teamed up together and everyone knows in the NRL Hunter realm right now, they're, they're just crushing it. So they teamed up for this one because their goal was to win at least one match in each division. Um, and so that's why they teamed up. But uh, I think they only dropped an overall each of them only dropped two shots uh per so that they, they were only down four together uh, which is a which is impressive shooting you know what i mean and the, the furthest Absolutely. target was like a two and a half moa uh, badger at uh at like 860 yards do you remember finding that badger in um in the, the first year that was the only target i could I not find in 2021 yeah remember how big that thing was yeah, yeah. Yeah, he stuck that thing at 850 at a, a completely different range. Um, but uh yeah, it, I but it was a it was really good. It, he used different uh, parts of terrain this time. Uh, targets were still kind of not in the, in the same like locations, but scattered throughout the same kind of uh terrain features uh that you mm -hmm. and I have shot in the past and then I also shot when I shot there this past September for the NRL or sorry, it's not the NRL, but the PRS Nut Crusher that Paul put together. Mm. Right on. How was so? Yeah, how was your How was your match? It was It was a good time, and um, the the guy who puts on the matches in uh, here in Yakima at Sun Valley Shooting Park, his name is Ward Andlos, and Ward's been doing it for a long time, and um, Ward is <laughs> he likes to put a lot of targets out there. Like it's not uncommon for for you to shoot, you know six to eight different targets every stage, if not 10, right? So 
and in various orders. So he's he's very uh, focused on the mental aspect of things, like you were talking about, not making mental errors. If you can go through and shoot one of uh, Ward's matches without mental error, um, you've also got to have speed because he wants you to get a lot of work done in a in a in a relatively short amount of time. So um, first couple stages were a little slow, um, just shooting field matches uh, and things like that. And doing a lot of more of the stuff that we've been doing lately with our students, I needed to pick up my pace a little bit. And so the first couple of stages I timed out and um, lost two points just to time it out on uh, the first two stages. So, um, And it was challenging because uh, there was some wind out there and it started off being really consistent right to left. And then on this range, if the wind blows out of the south, it's really, really going to screw with you because basically like filters down through well you've shot there so you know what i'm saying like all of the hills that are in front of you if that that's south so if that wind's coming in your face man it really plays a lot of weird fishtaily games on you that you know it's sometimes it's hard to detect and you just can't do it because it switches so quickly um so that can eat you up out there and even though the range is at 620 yards there's still ward has has it plenty challenging and this was a uh, a regional prs qualifier and they've started to shoot prs regional prs matches there which the club is really um smart to do that because at first they didn't want to do that there was some leadership at the club that was kind of like nah we don't want to do the prs thing they're they're like well we're gaining just enough we're gaining enough business of you know staying out of the league stuff and we don't want to do that and we basically were like why why would you not want to do that? It's dumb. Like bring more people to your shooting park. You guys have to understand that in Washington state, there is no, no place on the West side anymore to do this. Right. So on the West side of the mountains. So there's, there's only two ranges now that do this. Um, and that is Sun Valley shooting park. Um, and now rock Lake because blue Ridge isn't, uh, isn't existing anymore. So that's it. That's the only thing that everybody in Washington state has to deal with. And so it's a three and a half hour drive for some of those guys just to come to Moxie to shoot a one day club match. And, um, now people are doing it because, Oh, I'm sorry. And there's a third, the lead farm, uh, which is an awesome venue too. And the Muns do a fantastic job. I shot with some of the Muns uh, this weekend and Spencer edged me out by three points. And those guys are really good shooters and they have like a precision rifle playground in their backyard. And, um, it's no wonder why they shoot really well. So, um, it was a really well run event. We finished super early. I think we finished like two o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, there was 50 shooters, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a great time. Uh, we had quite a few of the really good shooters from the Pacific Northwest up here. We had, uh, Corson Piper, uh, the Munn brothers were out there. Um, Sheldon Nalos, Sheldon, um, he's a really consistent shooter. The Soas were out there, um, Matt and Trigg and, um, Nick Gutierrez. So we had some people from the Rifleman Network out there from here in Washington state, which is cool. So yeah, everybody just had a really good time and, um, the weather was nice. It was like in the seventies and, and breezy. So it was great to be out there. Very rare occurrence out there. It's either you've been out there before. It's either savagely hot um, and dusty, or it is bitterly cold and windy. So 
it's odd to have a really nice day out there. Um, but it was good, man. It was good to shoot. And, um, we haven't done a podcast in a long time. So, um, I kind of knocked the, the competitive rust off when I shot, um, the guardian match, which, which was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, that just was like one of those things where it was just like, okay, I, I, I can get, I'm back. I'm back in the, in the mental game here. And I have the, I have the mental bandwidth to participate because I just didn't have the mental bandwidth to uh, show up and be present. And, um, that's like, that's literally the majority of the battle, right. Of, of, of going to perform well. Some people shoot as a social event, which is totally fine. It's like dudes going to play a game of golf, like a, a round of golf on a Saturday. Um, and I super duper suck at golf, but I can still see how people would just get together and go drink some beers and, um, and have fun whacking balls and trying to get them to go where you want them to go. Yeah, I'm looking at your guys' uh, score. You guys had like 45 shooters. It's a pretty stacked mm-hmm. list up there, the top the top in the teens. Uh, David's there. He's been shooting pretty consistently yep. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome, man. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a super good feeling to have. Uh, and like it kind of it motivates you to want to do more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, hey, like yeah. what – you know, what can I do to now sustain this, right? Because it, it ebbs and flows, right? Because sometimes, like, mm-hmm. maybe you go to your next match and you don't do as well, right? Because, like, yeah, and then you're just like, in uh, your head, right? It, it, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, in your head, you're like, oh man, I, I, I did well at the last match. And what happens, I think, is like you get a little overconfident, you start uh, forgetting your processes, right? And this is something mm. that I told Ryan when we shot, yes, uh, when we shot um, the match, right? So, I know Ryan and I want to do a podcast and a debrief about this, but, you know, we'll talk about it. But essentially the first four stages, I mean, we cleaned, we did really well. Um, uh, the, the practices that we were doing, uh, here in Cody just kind of set him up for success with regard to like just the format. Right. Um, but really like our priorities of work. And, um, I mean, the first four stages we cleaned and, um, like he was getting a little overconfident, you know what I mean? And he was just mm-hmm. like, he's like, man, I, you know, because it starts creeping in there in your head, like, oh crap, like we, like we could win this, right? Because he went down there with zero expectations, right? And right. my expectation for him was just to learn the game, meet the community, right, and then just see, you know, like see what it is of what makes modern day sniper different from all the other instructor instructors out there, right? In terms of like, hey, like competitions is is uh, a time for us to put our money where our mouth is right because i mean in the reality of it is it's easy as an instructor to sit behind a student and tell them hey do this and do that right like hey keep your face on the gun keep your heels flat relax breathe but then to to actually or like hey don't forget to dial dope but then now when it comes to you know being able to apply it as an instructor that's where our not I would say proving grounds, but like for me, for me to validate like, hey, this is what I'm teaching. And and if I find something as I'm competing that's like, well shit, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, hey, this is not adding up to what I used to, what I teach, maybe I need to make some changes, right? And that's where mm-hmm. I start peeling back the layers. Um, but yeah, so we clean the first four stages, then he's getting a little overconfident. And then uh stage five, um he was in he was in the prone. He was a lot he was a lot it was his last shot. And um, I know I knew I should have made the correction for him to come a tenth down, 
Um, but uh, his first shot I saw just hit the back of this uh, deer target, right? So the animal targets are not very vertically forgiving. Yeah. And uh, he got to his fourth position plenty of time and I cracked that round off and I just see the trace just right over the top of its back, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, hey, you, he saw it, he made this correction, hit it, right? And then I ended up cleaning it. Um, but then that's where like, for him, the downward spiral started to happen, right? Because now he sure. starts he starts bleeding points throughout the next three or four stages, having a mental conundrum. And I was like, dude, don't worry about it. Focus on your process. Check your dope. Um, like, do things that like make sense in terms of preparing for the next stage. Don't just think about it, right? So yes, I was like, hey, that's super important. Da- download your mags. Uh, uh, make sure you're counting all your brass stuff, and then you know. Because if if you're just sitting there like soaking in your th- sorrows and your thoughts, you know that obviously your brain is gonna, your mind is gonna start coming to conclusions and all these things. It's like you don't want it to wander, right? Well, and, and your mind doesn't know the difference. It doesn't yeah. know the difference between between reality and its own stories. And so, like, if you let it go do its thing and go run off into fucking Narnia, you know, hopping and skipping, then yeah, that's the way your body doesn't understand the difference between yeah. reality and, and what's fake and, yeah. or what your mind is concocting. And um, like everybody battles that, right? Yep. Everybody battles that. And I think the absolute key to that is to stick to a system. Mm. Yeah, same thing. Like as soon as I'm done, as soon as the stage is over with, I automatically return the scope to zero right there when I'm done because that's part of me breaking this that stress response and getting my myself re-regulated because now it's really funny because like I literally fucking know what's going on with my body, mm. right? And my nervous system is actuated and it's in a sympathetic response to stress, right? So I've got to go through some process to re-regulate the, that into a parasympathetic response, which is rest and relax. And so the sticking to that process is the only way that you that that you can at least because you have to have some sort of initiating motion to like say oh this is done now mm-hmm. like I'm it's okay for me to be done right so the action for me is to go make sure my rifle's safe and make sure that I do a post fire check before I even pull the gun off of the line and then I pick up my brass um, if there's like anything to be hashed out with points <clears throat> pardon me you know do that with the RO because you're still in that mix. Um, and then I go right to my gear, drop my rifle and, um, reprep my mags, stow my brass, make sure that my data cards wiped clean. Um, and then I go straight to taking notes. I go to the matchbook or I go to my journal and I write my sustains improves. And if, if there's any abandons and by usually by that time, I'm ready to go Oh, okay. All right. That was it. Right. <clears throat> and I'm not upset. Like I'm not, uh, I like, like I dropped 16 shots last, last week or la, uh, the other day. <clears throat> and like, I didn't think that that was, I didn't think I shot really well at all. And I walked up to of course, and, um, he had a couple stages left to go and I was just like, how you shooting dude? And, um, I was just trying to figure out like what the par was. Right what was the par for that fucking day? You know, <laughs> he was just like, I don't know, man, like I'm trying my ass off and 
that's that's about where I'm at. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay, that's cool. Because Corson shoots a lot more. He shoots a lot more competitions than I do. And so he's a, he's more of a seasoned competitor, if you will. But um, I really enjoy Corson. He's a lot of fun to hang out with and talk he is to. A lot of, he is a lot of fun to hang out with. He's solid super, shooters. Super, super solid shooter, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I didn't even have, I didn't even think that I was going to be in second place. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, but uh, the stress management stuff and understanding what your body does, it's super important. It's really, really important because once you understand it, like we were talking about, like going down the mental spiral, you if you're aware of it, you can catch it. And you can catch it before, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It's going to happen, right? It's it's going to happen, but you have to have the uh, the awareness and the knowledge to be able to catch it and 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 you know halt it in its tracks so it doesn't manifest into something worse and we both know what happens when we let it manifest into something worse like it shit goes fast so that's good i'm glad that you guys had a good time um i'm glad that you guys the shot really well and um yeah, that's cool, and it's cool for as that was really cool for Ryan to to be involved in uh, in a team shoot like that and in that type of match format. So, what? Oh, so dude, we just installed. I've been meaning to do this at my house for a long time, and I had all of the parts and pieces laid out, and I just hadn't really gotten around to doing it. But um, I wanted to set up a, a dry fire course of um, little mini targets around my house because you know where I live, right? I can. I can point a gun just about anywhere and, and, and it's totally safe. So, um, Cassandra was like, she's all into shooting now, right? Like she really, she's literally is. She talks about it and she's like, I want to go shooting. Um, where's my rifle? I want to dry fire with it. And she's practicing tripod stuff on the porch and it's pretty fun to watch. Um, but, uh, she's like, let's do this dry fire course. Let's do it. Let's get out there and do it. And so, of course, she's she's a hippie artist, right? So that also shoots guns now, which is super hilarious. Um, she goes out and she starts painting these targets. I'm like, I'd like them to be white with numbers and letters. And she's like, that's dumb and boring. I'm doing it my way. <laughs> so all these fucking things are like, it's hilarious. Um I'm going to do a little video on it because it's super funny. Uh, you probably saw it on her on her social media. But um, it's cool, dude, because I sized them so that way I sized them so that at, you know, 60 yards, they're about two minutes, right? The sizes of them. And I put them in, in different sizes. And I think the farthest I have is like 200 yards. And so, you know, you put up a four inch, a four or three and a half or a three inch, a four inch and a five inch disc up. And it's totally representative of what the sight picture is going to, going to show you visually when you shoot at a real target. And so we just been, we, we got a tripod, a couple of tripods up on the front porch. And every time you pass it, you just pick up the rifle, throw it in the tripod and, um, go shoot and, and get stability on five targets in whatever position you want and then put it back and go do go about your business and it's a great freaking way of just like getting reps in it's i think it's going to be i think it's going to be fun for her just because um she 
wants to practice. And once she started shooting from different positions, she's like, oh, okay, I get it. I totally understand where the difficulty of this is because Cassandra can shoot some groups, bro. Like she is a super, super consistent shooter and a very meticulous one. And every group she's ever shot has been like inside a half MOA, like no shit. Um, so her ability to be repetitive and consistent is there. Um, now she just needs to learn how to manage her wobble zone, which I think is going to be really easy for her to do just because she's, you know, really aware and in tune with the physical, with her physical body. And so I think she's already kind of connecting a bunch of dots. And a lot of this, I've just been letting it be discovery learning, right? Like just to kind of see, like, just give enough information to make that light bulb go on and then go, all right, you go, tell me how that works out. Right. And so I threw the trigger cam on her gun uh, a couple days ago where we were practicing and, um, it's, uh, it's just wobble zone management at that point in time. It's, it's not allowing the, your brain to chase the reticle around. And as soon as boom, as soon as that happens and that realization occurs, consistency starts to go through the roof. Right. But as soon as you, as if you're, if you're not punching or if you're, chasing the reticle you're going to punch and crush and slap and smack the shit out of that trigger no matter what can't train it out um i've come to that conclusion that i don't think that you can train that you can train it out of somebody until you get them to understand how your body how your body physically and physiologically works that's um yeah go ahead that's no that's cool i i like that it's funny i am uh you know, um, I'm thinking about what you what you just said, and kind of tying it to our experiences this past week for the for the match and um, the the you know one thing about the Enerol Hunter compared to like a PRS match, right? Is with the Enerol Hunter, you choose the position that you want to shoot, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, if you if you can see it prone, go prone, right? And, and some guys that like have taken obviously their NRL hunter competition, like focus to the next level. Like, you know, they're, they're playing the game. They're, they're running three, you know, triple pull sky pods, get on them. That's just the evolution of a, of a competitive sport. Right. Um, those, those same people though, at the same time will be able to take minimal gear out to the back country and do well. Right. Um, so don't, don't get confused on, on that. I know how that could deter you from wanting to, go compete but you know I, I think you anyways before i derail my my thoughts here yeah get yeah, keep it keep, keep it <laughs> yeah, in there yeah so one of the things that ryan and i ran into um was uh deploying uh obviously the tripod to, to spot but to shoot from a tripod in these uh weird awkward terrain positions and um obviously we've talked about this for over 10 months, but finally breaking ground on the tripod masterclass. And, um, you know, I had my intern running around with us, uh, capturing video of every stage. And, um, for the most part, we, all of the tripod stages that we did shoot, we shot clipped in, uh, which is the essence of shooting from a tripod. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that really highlighted from that, that stage was like when, when Ryan shot first, Ryan built his tripod to his most ideal staple position based off of that terrain, 
right? So mm-hmm. he set up his tripod and like, I think looking back at the video, it was like a low kneeling, right, for him. So, you know, um, our, our staple no, low kneeling of our, our ass touching the back of our heels. And, um, you know, because he had time to do that as I was searching for targets and lazing him because that was my priorities at work was, okay, get to the uh, observation point, find the targets and walk them on. So we came up with a really great system as we started flowing into this. But then when he would shoot, because, um, and, and this is where like my confidence and, and uh, my experience in PRS has really helped is because like, I don't need two minutes to shoot four targets, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I can, I can get that knocked out in a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it came time to me to build a position, even if on a tripod, instead of like, you know, making the tripod work for me, I just you adapted to it. Adapted to the tripod, and and I think that's something very interesting that I, I know I want to talk about during the tripod masterclass. Is like, hey, ideal positions and then improvised positions, right? Because one of the things that you know is is real is the fact that like, hey, let's say you you build your ideal tripod position, right? But then your animal starts moving. You know, he starts walking up the hill or walking down the hill. Right. right. Are you gonna are you gonna sit there and you're gonna take the time to extend that little leg out, right? To to make that micro adjustment. No, you're no, gonna have you, to crunch into the exactly. target. Or you're having to grow with it. Or, exactly. Yeah. You you're gonna have to improvise your body around how that tripod is set. And so that's mm-hmm. essentially what I was doing, and, and I'm glad that worked out because I know Ryan. Um, I don't think is. Uh, I, I think he still needs work in that department um, mm-hmm. in terms of like uh, adapting to different tripods. Because if I would have just uh, ran my tripod heights because of how much uh, our body mechanics are slightly different in heights, mm-hmm. um, I think he would have had a harder time. A struggle trying to get to, to ad- get to de- improvise to your heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, throwing that into a dry fire practice would be helpful. Right is is uh, you kind of setting cast up to it was like hey this is the tripod height and it is what it is like don't 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 mess with it <laughs> and it's it's awesome you say that because our targets go from well you you've looked out my back porch right you know or yeah where the front door is um, and you know the sign down there the you know primitive road sign so I've got we've we've got them as close as sixty meters hard to the right. But then they go all the way up that hill, and so if you if you were to leave the tripod at one height, you would have like you would have to adapt to it, mm-hmm. and it's and it is very very apparent, especially uh, even making a small transition from one bank uh, one little cluster of targets to the other. It's a pretty big transition in terms of height, and it's a yeah that's a that's a great training tool and say hey, you know. We're going to shoot all these targets um, without adjusting without adjusting the tripod height, and we're going to and we're going to strive to achieve natural point of aim in in every single situation. That, that's great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and and God, man, and that's one thing that I think that venue really highlights. And and I know because the Enero Hunter has grown, and other matches have shot, or other matches have 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 uh, grown this year. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to try out different shooting areas to again test that kind of test that theory right because mm-hmm. um obviously in the field you know there's no such thing as the perfect position 
um, especially the perfect prone, right? Because you got like rocks or like you know sage or sh- shit in your in your ribs or um, mm-hmm. not allowing you to get completely square behind the rifle. Uh, so you know how to build a shooting position when your natural point of aim is compromised, right? In a sense that okay, like hey, I know that I could probably make up with this by you know putting my body this way um, and, and and whatnot, or applying these specific pressures here. Uh, to you know, minimize the amount of wobble zone that I do have. So. Right, absolutely, <clears throat> and that's just that's the uh, just the the hallmark of a of a well rounded shooter, uh, somebody that understands how to how to do what they need to do to make it happen. Yeah, and and that's so. one thing that especially like if I if I if I if I had to put like my finger on like the type of precision rifleman that I want to create through modern day riflemen is like a, it's like a hybrid shooter, right? You, you take any one of our modern day riflemen who's going through the modern day rifleman journey, who's, who's, who's staying accountable, doing all of our drills, right? Take that shooter, put him into a PRS match, put him into an NRL hunter match, put him into a competition dynamics match. And, uh, you know, I'm yeah. not saying that they're going to finish first place, but they, they, they will finish well, right? Um, absolutely and and yep. they will all always look at things from a training standpoint of like uh, uh travis um or T- uh, tavis um said it best is like hey what does the match director what is he testing me on versus mm-hmm. like how can i outsmart the match director i thought i thought Ab- I, dude, that that was a great point I thought, that he brought I thought up. that was great the other night when he brought that up in uh in the uh in the lecture because once you, I think once you look at it from that perspective, and, and I've been doing that a lot lately too, like I'd look at ward stages and I'd say, okay, what the, this is a bunch of bullshit here, but like, what, what is, what is ward trying to accomplish? Okay. Like what's he want to do? And it's like, okay, once you start looking at it from that point of view, then you can go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to need this skill, this skill, and this skill. Right. So boom, bring those up to the forefront of your mind have them in your consciousness so that way you can apply them instead of just trying to create a better mousetrap, you know, um, because then you could be doing, you could be trying to create something that doesn't need to exist yep. anyways. Right. you you know, so, um, that's a good point of view. That's a really good point of view. And which is kind of like why I like the, like, I mean, I really do like the NRL hunter and like the, the field match format, I guess the find it, range it, shoot it type format. And you can't, even then you can tell different stages. They're like, okay, they're going to be, um, they're going to put target, like you can recognize it and go, Oh, they're going to test my ability to get accurate Mm -hmm. ranges because they're going to put the steel, um, in the mix with a bunch of bushes that I could potentially get some, some faulty returns on, or, uh, this stage it's going to be about, time management because they have targets in weird positions that I'm going to have to move slightly for each target to, to shoot it. So a lot of creativity and, um, it makes you think, and, and that's another thing that Carl is really known for up at, up at Colville too, is to create that kind of scenario where, you know, you can shoot, you might be able to shoot two out of five targets from one position, but then you have to move six inches to get, you know, the other three type thing. And so it's like, and you can't shoot the other two 
from the position that you can see the, the other three from, right? So it's one of those things, um, which definitely takes some time to set up. It, it, it absolutely does because, well, we ran into that in Oregon um, and uh, made, the, made the mistake of not bringing radios along right so that was a that was that was a super silly thing to do in hindsight but um having and then having really crappy cell phones coverage but um that takes a lot of time to set up stages like that it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience um and uh my hat goes off to dudes that can do it and that do it well so uh, i'm glad you said that what else uh, man i'm glad what? you said that oh go I'm ahead said, i'm glad you said that because um uh, I was going to say the, you know, after setting up our, our course of fire or, or this, the, the, uh, course of fire for our internet, which we haven't even talked about, which I, I, I want to touch a little yeah. bit on. Um, but after setting up our, our five day, six day experience for our, uh, recent military clients, you know, it's like my hat's off to the match directors that are putting in, you know, 70 to 80 pieces of steel throughout, you know, crazy terrain uh, in order to make a course fire happen right um mm -hmm. and so yeah thank you guys for doing that yeah it's all fun and games until you got to pound 60 70 t posts into into rock and shit and then like now you run into a situation where you're like dude i want to put this target right here but i fucking can't because there's a giant pile of rocks <laughs> and i can't just drive a t post um but uh no, it's a it, it, managing your own range and setting up your own stuff. Like that's it. De that definitely adds another layer to all of the things that you have to manage as a as a. And at that point, now you're not an instructor. You're just a you're you're a course administrator because <laughs> you're like literally setting it up to be administered. Um, but uh, so yeah, we had a really cool experience. Um, trained an international client which um, was a first for us in the in this regard of, of how we did it. And um, we were we were down at a really cool facility in Southern Oregon that, that you guys can expect us to be at again um, and more frequently in the future. Uh, but at the Nail Spring Ranch, uh, it's, it's a really, really cool place to shoot. And uh, the accommodations are truly next level. And uh, the experience is next level in terms of, you know, how you're treated, how well you're fed, um, you get airplane rides. If, uh, if Sterling's in, in, in a good mood and has the time and capacity to do it and, um, get an opportunity to shoot in some really cool terrain. So, um, we're going to be doing more at the nail spring ranch in the future, but, um, spent about what, 10 days or so spent about 10 days shooting, shooting the big guns. We were shooting three thirty eights. And, um, I think the, the consensus after doing that was, um, we could be doing better with a different cartridge. I, I kind of think that, that the 338 has its place. Um, but for the weight of the bullet that we were, um, we were shooting based upon the client's request, it w didn't really make a whole lot of sense for the recoil that you got from that thing. And I think in order for those rifles, that, that cartridge to um, show its merit, you got to be shooting heavy bullets out of it. Um, because the light stuff, I don't see it. Like we ran the numbers for those guys and they were just like, whoa, we didn't, 
really like that we can get pretty close to the same performance out of a you know a 300 prc or a 300 norma and it's like yeah and you're gonna get all well, you're gonna get less recoil as well so and it was noticeable too like going from 300 grain bullets down to 250 grain bullets with recoil that was an instant like okay um and then their rifles actually shot softer than ours um, i don't know if you got a chance to shoot one of their guns but they shot a lot softer than ours i did so, i was able to shoot a few rounds during a, during the during the zero and yeah you're right um i so i mean i i would say that i don't want to put my thumb on it just yet because of the bullets that were that they were being forced to use um yeah and uh i think the yeah i i, I mean i know there are still units that are using them and, and people that are using them, but you're, you're absolutely right. Like if you look at uh, a perfect example, the um, uh, extra, uh, the, not the, extra, not the King of two mile, but the, um, the hunter or the, the, the night force ELR that's been going on for, Oh yeah. The night force for, ELR, uh, yep. you know, X amount of years now. I, I don't know. Scott sadly started it now. Pete Knipe is, has taken over it. Um, the 300 Norma or 300 PRC, I think, uh, I, well, who, I, well, I know it's like George, uh, Ortiz, our good friend, George, um, ran the 300 Norma, uh, this year with Surge and he mm -hmm. did, they did well. Right. And those ranges yeah, they are, did. are not necessarily extreme long range, but we call what we would refer to as extended long range from like the 800 to 2000 kind of interdiction. Right. And I think that's what mm -hmm. those, those platforms were intended to serve. Right. Um, initially for the, the for the military and uh, mm -hmm. yeah I think you're right like the the 338 back then is not holding up to its weight anymore with the modern cartridges right you're you're getting Agreed. unnecessary recoil um, and, and when I mean by that, it's like well it's just more recoil it's not just the fact that it's more recoil it's now what's happening is you're psychologically affecting the shooter which is now in turn uh, you know, kind of changing the way he's driving that rifle throughout the course of you know seven to ten rounds or even up to 50 rounds yeah. and and i also noticed that they're you know the, the follow-through with a rifle that has that much recoil is very very important and you can't like that's just again one of those things where it's like you can't be lazy with that gun um you know and they're also very sensitive to cleaning uh, we were noticing that you know, in order for in order for our guns to stay shooting inside a minute, um, at least mine anyways, I had to clean it every 80 to 90 rounds. Uh, if I started to creep past 100, 120 rounds, it would open back up and um, that group would increase, geez, to like almost two and a half minutes. Uh, but then as noticeably, as soon as you cleaned it, boom, came right back in and uh, it hung out there until, you know, 80 to 100 rounds, somewhere in there. So, and that was something that those, that, that the, that the students didn't really take into consideration either, um, until they saw it make a really, really impactful change on a couple of their rifles. So, which is good for, good for them. And, um, I think they had a really good time in terms of, uh, the experience there, but also the new skills that they learned. And it's one of those things where, you know, you go into those situations, especially not having 
um, known the people that you're training um, or their background and you go, okay, like, what am I going to bring to the table for this organization or for this group? And once you do realize you're like, oh man, okay, yeah, like they're, they're soaking all of this in and then applying it. Um, that's obviously number one, it, it's a good feeling to know that you're delivering a great experience to your customers. Um, but at the same time, in that context, we're creating a more lethal warfighter that has a higher degree of survivability on the battlefield, uh, which is what it's all about. And um, that was a it was a great experience to train that that organization and uh, met some pretty cool people. Yeah, it was honestly, it, it was honestly kind of bittersweet to get back to talking about um, that aspect of of uh, you know the application purpose of a, of a sniper rifle, a true, a true sniper system, you know? And, um, Mm -hmm. I think what was, what was cool, uh, was to, to see, like you said, the, the transformation in their heads and, 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 and Ryan said, it's like, those guys were, I would say a low above, above average from what I expected, uh, military units to be at. Uh, so at that point it was just polishing, Right, but uh, I know some of the techniques that they haven't covered or haven't seen in other courses. Right, was developed through right our you and I's, um, uh, you know, constant pursuit of you know going out there and, and testing our skills at these competitions. You know what I mean? Because. Mm-hmm. I could easily see them going to a different course and then just getting the rundown regurgitated version of like, this is how you sling into a tripod, right? Um, right. You know, uh, which I think they 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 did bring it up. They did talk about it um, with like, hey, you know, this is also a good, good technique too. Uh, but when we gave them the drills that essentially we, and I think that's another thing too, like the, the drills that we gave them, the, the hike and shoot was all based around mm-hmm. kind of like, our competition style that we've we've uh done mm-hmm. whereas like they saw hey like trying to strap in a, a sling right and and put it on the, and then put my foot on it right is not conducive under a you know six minute time 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 it, time limit it, it briefs well it does it, yeah. it briefs well right and and on a flat range it tends to work out better um but uh, you're absolutely right. And also those guys like being able to, to see you don't need that piece of gear to accomplish what you need to accomplish with this with this rifle. And if you apply these techniques of recoil management, um, you can actually tame that beast and shoot it from you know a weird kind of PRSE style, type position and still have some some control actually not some but a fairly a fairly substantial amount of control over the rifle so it's actually kind of inspiring it's more it's more inspiring to me now because now i've got a couple of i got a couple of uh, 30 cal magnums that um that i want to go out and shoot and and run some comparisons and see what it uh you know not only just run the numbers, but then go out and collect some trigger cam footage and say, "Hey, this is what it's like shooting a 338 from this position versus um, a 300 Win Mag with a, a a 220 grain projectile moving at you know 3,000 feet a second." So, and 
relatively, you know, somewhat, somewhat relatively equal performance. Um, I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good information for everybody, especially like as the big army, um, the big army is going to start getting 300 win mags and 300 PRCs. And obviously on the SOCOM side, you know, the 300 PRC and the 300 Norma. So <clears throat> it'll be good. It'll be good. Cause it's, uh, it's something that needs to be addressed anyways. There's a lot of holes in that. It's the, it's under the assumption. It's just like, oh, here's your rifle and just go shoot it. Right. Like there's, there's not a whole lot of, I guess, transition from saying, okay, now this is shooting a 308, right? You can get away with this, with this platform. But then if you try to do that shit over with this platform, it's going to bite you, right? So, um, and especially on the cleaning thing, that's a big deal because um, we know it's weird. The train of thought is you either overclean unnecessarily or you're not cleaning nearly enough. So I think those are really important things to learn, especially for those guys in that, in those, in the military units that are going to get these cartridges. Um, you need to learn a little bit about them before you just go to town. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I guess I wasn't surprised, um, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised that they were, you know, shooting around like right about a minute and minute a quarter, right? I, I think there was only one gun that I saw under a true minute, right? Um, but the rifles that you and I took, and I and I, I would tr probably attest that to the fact that they were brand new. I think my barrel is brand new, full transparency, Saco uh, Beretta USA. Um, so if you guys don't know, Beretta uh, owns, or Saco and Tika fall under Beretta. So Saco sent us two, M, uh, M10s, 338 Lapua's uh, for the course for us to use and, and do some test and evaluation. And uh, I mean, both of our rifles with both the uh, Lapua uh, 300 grain Sierra Match Kings and the uh, 250 lock mm -hmm. base shot well under three quarters of a minute under, with five rounds. Mm -hmm. um, so, and their, their rifles, I think I, I, it was rifle that I remember because he was shooter five when we were zeroing. Um, he was the only one that had three or four rounds touching, um, whereas everyone else was like, okay, it was a little scary at first. Even uh, rifle, when, when we couldn't get his rifle to shoot at first, um, and that's when you did the cleaning class. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. That was the only yeah. option. It was like, well, that's the only option. I don't know. Um, and you got to go through all those things with those fine-tooth combs, and once those guys saw that, they all started cleaning their guns yeah. and they were like, wow, yeah, they shoot a yeah. lot better. So, and, and even then, right. The, like that was, that was this group's annual sniper sustainment training as a team, as a, as a, as a group. Right. So, um, that was, you know, six days of shooting. And if, if that's what they took away to make them better, better snipers, then badass i know they took a lot more than that but that's the like the point of going to those mm. things is, is learning different things from different people um and i mean even us like on our our free rifle cleaning class it's time to update is, that thing for sure right it's, it's it's time to update that thing and come at that as well as you know the rifle safety doesn't necessarily need to be updated but um there's different ways that we can communicate uh that information so i'm gonna start uh 
that rifle cleaning class is pretty easy to knock out. So um, I'd like to start doing a little bit of concept creation surrounding that. So uh, what's what else, dude? What else we got? Uh, we we have, have... I'm actually going to pull up. So this is our end of podcast plug because we can do it. Um, but people are always asking, I mean, everyone from, from DMs to emails... The guys that, you know, the very first thing that they say is like, hey, listen to your podcast. When's the next course? And all they have to do is go to moderndaycyber.com slash events. Not even events, but to the events tab and they'll see. So I'll list off some classes that we have got coming up for you guys that are wondering that are listening to the podcast. Um, so Ryan is currently in Oklahoma right now uh, taking care of a law enforcement sniper clinic in Oklahoma. That's for three days through uh, one of our modern day snipers uh, members, Jeremiah Johnson. Thanks, Jeremiah, for taking care of that dude. Um, Kalen, you've got uh, a couple clinics coming up in in Yakima uh, at the end of this month. Yep. So right now, today's date is the nineteenth. So you've got uh, next week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then a positional shooting clinic, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I've got intro mm-hmm. precision rifle out here in Cody in July. And then we've got our scout course. We've still got a couple slots open for that. People are coming at, in and out. Um, message us that. I know it says pay scout direct if you go to that event. But that is like an all-inclusive um, kind of uh, long-range hunter event for us. That's kind of the kicking off the start of our pre, uh, our back hunt, or like our, our pre-season or prep to hunt. Uh, essentially, because come August 1st, I think that's when we're going to start running a bunch of long-range hunter classes, which are very popular for us, two, three days. And then, Kalen, you've got a intro to precision rifle in Yakima, again, at the third week of July, July 17th to 20th. And then um, we've got an intro to precision rifle in Texas at the Cap Rock Rifle Club, September 10th through 13th. And then... Ryan's got his first scope carving class the day after that on the 15th to the 17th. And then the range that we were just at in Price, Utah, October 5th through 8th, we've got our intro to precision rifle and scope carving class. And then we've got a a law enforcement skills clinic in Evansville, Indiana, October 11th to October 13th. And then Pig River and scope carbine in November for our intro class as well as our scope carbine class. November 7th through 10th for the intro class, and then uh, November 12th through 14th for our um, scope carving class. Is that right? Yeah, we have the 11th the, the, yep. the 11th off day in between. So Yep. Um, and we just got word that we are going to be teaching in Phoenix in December, uh, both long range or uh, intro to long range as well as scope carving. And that's going to be outside of Phoenix. But did I say that already? Yeah. Anyways, it's going to be outside of Phoenix in December. Is that is that um, the scout range? Nope, nope. It's a private range. Um, that, oh, that's uh, Dylan Arrow. That I think that's yeah, going to be pretty cool. badass. So I'm pretty excited about that one. So if you guys are in the Phoenix area, um, Southern California area, in the surrounding region, that is going to be a really really cool place to train. Um, that's the first kind of like civilian um presence at that at that shooting range it's not even i mean it is a shooting range they 
it's Dylan Arrow. Um, they do all kinds of crazy stuff out there with miniguns and helicopters, and uh, they blow shit up out there. So it's a really cool place to hang out. Um, so I'm excited about that. That's going to be our first class in Arizona, and I've been. I'm I'm excited about having a presence in, in in Arizona because number one, it's not California. I know that you guys in California, you're like that sucks. I know there's a huge shooting population there. However, um, it's just getting increasingly more and more difficult to go there. Um, and at least in Phoenix, you're in friendly territory, if you will. And um, it's uh, it's in December, so the weather is going to be pretty pretty nice. And um, yeah, first first uh, class for for Arizona. Super stoked. And um, again, scope carbine as well. And uh, we're getting Pig River. We're going to be in Pig River. That's a staple for us, for you guys in the East Coast. And you guys can guarantee that we are going to be back at Altus in January for sure. Because we like training at Altus. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. And then, as we said, tripod masterclass, hopefully coming to you guys at the end of the summer. Um, depending on, uh, how many modules that we have, it's, it's going to be dope. I mean, we've, we've already laid out the outline, uh, tri talking tripod selection considerations for, uh, you know, looking for a tripod or even the nomenclature of a tripod, right. Things to look out for, mm -hmm. uh, how we grade a tripod, but, uh, form factor is what we call, I think ended up calling it based off the weight size. Um, uh, and then the, the deployability of it. Right. Um, because uh, you know, when you're mm -hmm. shooting from a tripod, how to quickly you can get into position. Right. And that's another thing that we learned this weekend is like, Hey, how quickly we needed to adjust the tripod based off of different areas of uh, the terrain that we were navigating. Right. Cause you know, as we picked up and move, sometimes that specific tripod setting did not work for the next one. Right, so being able to mm -hmm. adjust legs as necessary to maintain that same height uh, was, you know, uh, proved to be very important. You know, in, in, in a very short amount of time, uh, durability, and then um, you know, uh, and then ultimately the meat and potatoes of how to shoot off a tripod. Right, like understanding where to find your staple position, um, understanding how to manage recoil. Uh, uh, how to tame your wobble zone. And then, you know, uh, at the end of that, I think tripod maintenance and, and drills from shooting from a tripod. And I, and I think it's going to be really mm -hmm. popular with not only the, uh, the law enforcement sniper crowd, uh, but truly the, now that with the sport growing up, mm -hmm. the NRL hunter, um, the NRL hunter, right. Um, I think those guys from the most part, I saw a lot of those guys shooting off of bags and tack tables, right. So like, it's a really good, business to be in with tack tables at the moment um which is fine right um but uh i think you and i have gr agreed the true essence from shooting from a tripod is um is being clipped in well, with whatever kind of attachment that you have i definitely dig the bag like i definitely dig it i think there's there's applications where it's more beneficial but i agree with you as well like clipping into the tripod that is that is the true essence of shooting from a tripod and it changes things right it changes it changes how the rifle moves it changes how your how your sight picture moves under recoil um i mean if your legs are un are unevenly loaded right and that thing hops around or moves around then all of a sudden you you don't expect that to happen and then you look back through your set in, into your second sight picture and you're just like what the fuck am i even looking at right now 
Like I have no idea where the target is. So, and, and you can feel that like once you get trained on it and you are like, it's brought to your awareness again, like what to expect. If that happens, you know, I need to be, I can feel the tripod hopping to the left. I know that I need to be looking right in my field of view to, to catch my target yeah. if I even can. Yeah. Right. So, and it just gets you more and more familiar with making sure that your tripod is set up as firmly and solidly um, and, and equally loaded as possible. Uh, and I think that's really important. So um, I'm excited for that thing too. It's uh, again, long time coming. And I know um, that we've been talking about it for, for a while, but um, you know, this is one of those things that um, as we grow, we grow in multiple directions at once. And it's really difficult to continue to focus energy and, and bandwidth in all directions at once. Sometimes it's not even possible, right? So you kind of hop around and bounce from project to project to project. And um, it's now, it's like, okay, we're going to bring them to fruition at this point. Agreed. Cool, man. This was fun. Glad, so, glad that I, we were able to get this knocked out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, it's been, it's been yeah. too long. So, um, but it's good to get back at it. And for everyone's notice, I didn't draw jack shit Neither from Washington did I. State I'm, again this year. I, with that being said, I, I, I'm still like, I, I want to put in the work for a, for general tag, general elk tag. So I'm definitely still trying yeah, to take yeah. a few days off in the, in the fall to go hunt that, uh, that, uh, quick plug for, uh, Todd here. Uh, I've, for the last four weeks now, I've been doing the backcountry hunter program for human predator pack mule. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. And, uh, dude, when we did, um, our, um, hiking up that hill for, uh, the military, those, uh, military guys in Oregon, you know, I, I love that I was able to not feel winded or like smoke checked by the time we got mm -hmm. to the top. But then when we were finished with the day, right. like it was just another day, right? Like I wasn't, it's, and you can t s tell some of the guys that went up that hill, like, like there were, there were smoked after that day. And, and, uh, <laughs> I know that was a, a testament to the program that I'm doing. And, uh, I'm excited to even get closer to hunting season. Cause that's one thing that I know I struggled with last year was just like maintaining the proper, uh, shape for it. Right. Cause you know, there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's one thing to, you know, uh, be able to push a bunch of, you know, static weight around, but then like being in the back country with weight on your back is a, is a completely different fit, type of fitness. It's a game changer. So right on right, dude. Man. Heck yeah. Yep. Todd Baumgartner, human predator pack mule, super good guy and has a great program. And again, last thing, if you guys aren't in the modern day rifleman network, you're screwing up in life. You got to get over there and check it out. Um, especially um, on the subscription side, the journey of a rifleman, people are really, really experiencing meaningful change in not only their shooting abilities, but their perspective on a lot of different things. And it's really cool to watch. So I'm actually getting ready to tomorrow. I'm going to shoot um, our monthly practice session and I'm stoked because it's going to smoke me and it's going to be fun. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it. Cool. All right, guys. Well, pre appreciate right everyone listening as always. Thanks for everyone that is a part of the community. Uh, been loyal to us for the uh, the past 
few years we've been running Modern Day Sniper Podcast. Uh, sorry for our absence, but you know, if you can't find us on the podcast, you know to find us in the Modern Day Rifleman Network when we're posting up articles or or uh, uh, reaching back out to you with uh, some of your posts up there. So um, until next time, we hope to see you guys either on the range training with us or in the network. Until then, keep your face on the gun. <laughs>